Well, hey, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning here? We're going to sing a little bit this morning. All right, here we go. Let's sing to the Lord a new song. How about that? Here we go. One, two, three, four. So that morning we shall see Jesus in the air. Coming after you and me. Joy is ours to share. What rejoices. Here this morning. Why don't you all have a seat if you can? 
We'll give you a few announcements this morning. I just wanted to share something with you. Uh, uh, schools all over the country, I think it's been since like 1982, uh, they have a thing that's called See You at the Pole. Anybody ever heard of See You at the Pole? Amen. Well, guess what? That's this Wednesday, all right? Hey, Cindy. That's this Wednesday, all right? And at Forest Ridge, they're going to be meeting around the flagpole at 7.30. And I want you to kind of see this little short video of that. that day. I think Jesus, I'm leaning awesome. on your name. Oh, I'm leaning on And so, God, I just pray that um, you would help the body of believers to just be a light to others, that you are true, you are here, and you are real. Lord, that there wouldn't be fear, Father, but let us be strong. When we come together, God can move in great ways. Amen. So that's, isn't that cool? And so uh, I, I've been, as when I was a student pastor, I used to, every year, we would get the kids together and we'd go to the schools and gather on the flagpole. So listen, on Monday nights, every Monday night, right here in this room, we have a thing called Celebrate Recovery. Amen. And that's what I want to hear from my people, right? So that's cool. And so uh, every night, uh, Monday night at 7 p.m., 7 to 9, if you have a hurt, hang up or habit, listen, we just encourage you to come and be part. Listen, God is the answer. God has the answer. He will always be the answer. And listen, they're here to encourage you and to help you in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Also, mark your calendars because October 4th, we're going to be having a meeting. We're going to be doing a live nativity, drive-through nativity here in December, right? You see it on your bulletin there or your new Sunday paper and... Uh, I said it, bulletin. Oh, no. Right? So it's in the Sunday paper. But anyway, uh, it's there. And uh, just check it out. And if you can uh, be here on October the 4th, uh, what time's that meeting going to be? It's right after church. So right after we have our service, uh, y'all can join them. And they're going to do some brainstorming, planning, kind of divvying up who's going to do what and all that good stuff. And so uh, it's going to be a great time. Uh, we did it a couple years ago. And when we did it, uh, it was a two-day event. The first day got rained out. But listen, the second day, we had 50 vehicles that drove through. And so, you know, that's a blessing, you know, and this gives us an opportunity to reach out to our community and do something. And you know what? I think we might get even a lot more uh, this time when we do it. People have been locked up with COVID and all that good stuff. So we do that. Uh, something else we're doing, too, uh, after the service today, uh, if you will see Sister Martha, she's in the back there. She'll be out in the foyer, and she's taking names for T-shirt sizes. We're looking at having some T-shirts made up for Hills Church. Yeah. So that will be cool. So all you guys can uh, be able to sign up for a t-shirt. You can give her your size, whatever that is, and uh, be between you and her, right? So anyway, but it's all good, and uh, we're going to get some Hills Church. And listen, we want to do this because we want to advertise that who we are. We want to make sure we promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, and so, so when you wear the t-shirt, just don't forget who you are, right? <laughs> Got to kind of throw that in there sometimes. No, I don't have to. Not with you guys. You guys are awesome. So anyway, I just appreciate that. So that is so good. I feel like I'm forgetting something else. I'm going to tell, you know, we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts today. And so at the end of the service, in case I don't mention it, there are some spiritual gifts tests that my lovely wife put together on the back table in the foyer. So make sure you take one when you leave. And, uh, and so it'll be awesome for you to uh, kind of maybe experience that. 
It's not all-inclusive. It doesn't mean that it absolutely it is, but it will give you a good idea of what your spiritual gift is, right? And as we talk about today, you'll see what I'm talking about. So it's all good. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for the holy name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that there's no other name under heaven and earth by which any one of us can be saved, can be born again, can be resurrected, Lord, can be sitting with you at the right hand of the Father, Lord, save the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. We just praise you, we glorify you, we honor you. We pray, God, that you would just be magnified and lifted up in this place, that all of us would be drawn into your presence. Lord, use us for your glory. May every word that utters from my mouth, from, from the music all the way through, Lord, just anoint everything in this place, God. Everything from the sound system to all of us. And God, may we see your face. May we hear your voice, Lord. May we experience your presence, Lord, in our hearts and in our minds this morning. And Father, we just give you praise. If there's one here today that's never trusted you as Savior, it's my prayer. It's, our, it's always our prayer, God, that you would touch their heart. Lord, before it's everlasting too late, and Lord, that they would receive Christ Jesus as their Savior and Lord today. And Father, we just give you praise for it all, for it's in Jesus' precious name, and all God's people said what? Amen. 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 All right. Huh? Oh, thank you, sir. Hey, he's keeping me straight. I was about to crank it up in G instead of in A. G whiz, man. Now I'm in A. Thank you, brother. He looks out for me every time. Brother Rick is such a blessing. And I appreciate him, man. I mean, he'll come in. Let me tell you, you guys don't know. He'll come in. He'll set everything up. He gets my battery and my, and my talking thing here. And he gets everything together, man. And it's just, and it's a blessing for me. And it takes it, it makes it easier for me here. And so I appreciate Brother Rick. Always looking out for me. Thank you, brother. Let's all stand. Let's sing together. Here we go. Wait, wait a minute, I'm doing the wrong song. What is up with me this morning? Here we go. One, two, three.
the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Is that true? Is that true? Hey, I want you to do me a favor right now, because I'll probably see most of you in the middle. Turn around and wave at the camera. We want to welcome everybody that's online. Thank you for tuning in. How awesome is that? And uh, listen, uh, everybody go ahead and have a seat. And listen, if you're a guest here for the very first time, we want to thank you for being with us and worshiping with us this morning. And if you get an opportunity, there's a little card in the pew right in front where you're sitting. If you would reach in there, and it's got my picture on it, that's not saying much, but it's got my lovely bride's picture on it, that's saying a lot, you know what I mean? <laughs> you have to grease it. <laughs> but anyway, that's so true. So anyway, I just thank the Lord uh, for what he's doing in our midst. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. Let me turn my little doohickey on here. All right. But uh, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit uh, for the past several weeks. And uh, we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit this morning. And I know you all have been kind of looking forward to that. And so we'll talk about this this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time here as we uh, read his word this morning. Father, Lord Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, for your precious word. For it's your word that gives us life. Lord, uh, we've heard your word. Lord, someone has spoken into our hearts and shared the, the message of the gospel to us of how you left heaven's glory, how you came to earth, Lord, how you laid your life down on the cross and were nailed to it, Lord, for us. And Lord, we just thank you and we just praise you, God, for the opportunity, uh, Lord, to be saved, number one. Lord, to know you, number two, in your word. And Lord, and we are looking forward, Lord, we've already been resurrected in our spirit inside this place right now, Lord Jesus, we thank you. But, Lord, we know at the end, the last day, you're going to resurrect us forever. And, Father, we look forward to that day. So, Lord Jesus, we pray that you would use us for your great glory this morning, that you would help us to just kind of draw a circle around ourselves, help us to lean in, Lord, with our ears and our spirit, Lord, to listen to the precious word that you have for us. And, Lord, if there's anyone in our midst that's never trusted you as Savior, Lord, touch their hearts. Lord, I pray their hearts have already been touched through the worship. And I pray that your word will just do a perfect work in all of our lives this morning. Lord, we give you praise and glory for it all. For it's in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said what? Amen. Amen. So, you want to probably turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. What's up, Jacob? Good to see you. <laughs> so turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That would be awesome. You know, God has gifted each and every one of us, listen, with a gift that is suited for all of our lives. Y'all believe that this morning? Do you know what your gift is? I pray that you know what your gift is, right? Why, why does he do that? He says to help us 
to, for you to better understand people, to better understand yourself, and also for what God says of how we should live our life. And so I want you to think about this as we talk about gifts this morning. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit from the very beginning, right? First two sermons were about that. We talked about the, that he is what? The person of what? The Trinity, right? Third person of the Trinity. He's a person. He's not an it, not a thing. He's not a ghost. He's not a spirit. He is the Holy Spirit, the person of the Trinity, the triune Godhead, part of that. And then he dwells in each in every one of us. Not only is he the per third person of the Trinity, but he also was promised by the Father to each and every one of us, right? And not only that, he said, when we get saved and you and I get saved, what does he do? He seals us. Boy, I love that message. We're talking about that. That should, man, that should be like shouting ground for every one of us, that we are sealed until the day that Jesus takes us home. Nothing can ever take that away from you. You are sealed. We can't remove the seal. No man can remove the seal. No person, not even you, can remove that seal when it's placed there. And I praise the Lord for that. That is just awesome. So, and then also we talked about the fruit of the Spirit last week that resides in Him. But not only does it reside in Him, who else does it reside in? All of us when we get saved. The fruit of the Spirit, which we talked at great lengths last week about it. Listen, the Holy Spirit was involved in our salvation. Think about that. He's involved in our sanctification, which is a big word. It means just to be set apart for service for Him. He sets us apart uh, from the world. He sets us apart even from ourselves. He sets us apart for Him, to serve Him, and to live for Him, and to walk with Him. As we serve Him and as we serve others, this is exactly what He does. We need the Holy Spirit. He is everything in our life. And so as we go into the gifts today, I want to just talk with you about the primary purpose of gifts. And this is probably your first fill in the blank. The primary purpose of gifts is to serve God with maximum effectiveness and potential that, number one, fruit will be present in your life. Fruit will be present in your life. If you have the Holy Spirit, the fruit should be present in your life. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, something's got to come out. The Bible says that not only will you bear fruit as a Christian, he says you will bear much fruit. It's a continual thing that goes on and on and on and on. And it's a wonderful blessing. It's a wonderful thing. Not only will fruit be present in your life, but number two, you and I will be blessed. How many blessed people do we have in the house this morning? Amen? We're all blessed by the Lord. And then number three, it says other people would be blessed. Because you're blessed, then you have an opportunity to bless other people as you, as you operate in the fruit of the Spirit of all those attributes, right? And then number four, the kingdom of God would be stronger because of that. The kingdom of God should be stronger in your life, and it should be stronger in the Hills Church. It should be stronger in the community because of the fruit being demonstrated through our life. It should be. And then finally, number five, that the work of God will go on successfully. Who wants the work of God to go on successfully? Man, I do. I mean, I look at y'all here this morning. What a great crowd this morning. Thank you for being here. I thank you for those that are online watching right now. God bless you. Take another sip of coffee, right? Go ahead. Yeah, it's, a, it's awesome. It's all good. So if you turn to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, we're going to get started this morning. Now listen. I want you to listen intently. Listen closely. And make sure you hear the word, the scripture, the word of God. That is so vital for what we're going to cover today, that you hear the Word of God this morning. Amen? Amen? So make sure that we do that. Let's read together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 1. 
the use of spiritual gifts. Here we go. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. Paul doesn't want us to be unaware of them. Either does the Lord. He says, you know that when you were, uh, when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Listen, that's not just talking about statues back in the first century, although it talks about some of that, but it talks about idols that we have in this very room, in this very day. Your job can be an idol. Your grandkids can be an idol, right? Things can be an idol. It doesn't have to be a statue that's of stone. Man, they're idols. Your relationship with your girlfriend or fiance, whatever, it can be an idol. Anything that gets between you and God is an idol. Never forget that. Never forget that. He said, therefore, because of this, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit, capital S of God, says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts. There's all kinds of gifts. Think about this. But the same Spirit, Holy Spirit, listen, operates in those things. And there are varieties of ministries. Amen, church? We have lots of ministries in our church here. And it says, and the same Lord is over them all. It says, there are varieties of effects as well. Things happen when the Lord, Holy Spirit is moving through the ministry and the gifts of the church. Things happen. It says, but the same God who works all things in all persons. And number seven is a very important scripture. And you need to really highlight this scripture right here. I find it is a very important scripture to understanding the gifts. But to each one, each gift he's talking about is given the manifestation of the Spirit, capital S, for the common good. Circle that common, you know, highlight, score, underscore that common. For the common good. That's for everybody. This is for all of us. It's for all believers, for all time and all places. For the common good. It's so important for us to understand that when we talk about spiritual gifts. Jesus always gives all these gifts that you and I have as believers for the common good of all. And never forget that. It's so important. In fact, it said the entire body of Christ, every believer, not for individual's sake. It's not for our individual sake, but it's for others. It's not to make us feel good, but it's to be utilized for others. And we need to use it for others. So I want to clarify some terms here in the beginning as we get going here. Are you all ready? Here we go. Number one, so the gift of the Spirit, notice gift singular, right? This is the person of the Holy Spirit given to every believer when, church? When? At salvation. How much of the Spirit do you get at salvation? All of it. You get 90% of it? No. And I said it, and I shouldn't have said it. You get 90% of him. No, you get all of him. Forgive me, Lord. You get all of him. All of him. The big fundamental question is, when it concerns the Spirit of God in your life, is how much of all of you does he have? Right? You ever think about that? How much have you released of yourself to him? How much have you given yourself? How much have you gotten subordinate underneath his his word underneath the Spirit, uh, the Spirit of God leads you and tells you to do something, you get underneath it. You get all of the Holy Spirit at one time at salvation. And then as we work through our life, there's a sanctification process that takes place progressively in our life that the Holy Spirit reveals truth to you through the Word of God. The Word of God is a light. 
Let lights our pathway. Amen? That's what it is. And, and that light that lights our pathway, he reveals things to us. And the Holy Spirit confirms it in our heart that, hey, listen, you need to put that down, big boy. You need to let this go. You need to repent of this. You need to stop this or whatever it might be. You need to go here or you need to go there. You need to make this decision or that decision. The Holy Spirit is there to lead you and to guide you into every bit of truth in this life. And we need to let go of ourselves and let Jesus, the gift of the Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit given to every believer at salvation. The next thing is the gifts, plural, the gifts of the Spirit. This is what we're going to talk about today. These are the abilities God gives, the abilities God gives that belong first to Him and then given to us for His plan and His purposes in your life and in all of our life. His plan and purposes, it overrides everything. His perfect will is to be accomplished and will be accomplished and is being accomplished this very day, this very hour. Whether you're with him or not. But listen, I would challenge you to be with him. Get underneath him. Let him lead you. Let him guide you. Let him show you the way every day of your life. And then the third thing, the fruit of the Spirit, which we talked about last week. This is the character that's imparted into each of us as Christians as we submit to his authority. We've got to submit totally to Him. And He imparts the gift of the Spirit. The, he, he imparts the fruit of the Spirit in us. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All those things are in one, wrapped up in one fruit with so many flavors. I love that. I've never eaten a fruit with so many flavors of you. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> in heaven we'll have fruit that has all these flavors. I don't know. But anyway, but, but think about that. There's one fruit that's in you and me as believers. And all these attributes are in that one fruit. There's love in you. It comes from God. There's joy. It comes from God. There's peace. It comes from God. How many of you need peace? I know I need peace. I all need peace. Goodness and kindness. How many of you need self-control? <laughs> I said, Lord Jesus, give me self-control. Then he puts you in a position where you've got to really work yourself, work that self-control, let it come out in your life, right? So just like patience. People, I hear people say, ah, you should never pray for patience. Because <laughs> you're going to get it, big boy. You're going to get it, right? So, so he will te definitely test those patience. So anyway, but listen, God's character in us as his children. This is what the fruit of the Spirit is. That's God's character in us as his children. So that's awesome. So my question is, what are you displaying? Not just at church. It's easy to display God's character in church, right? Sometimes we can put that little aluminum foil mask on and, yeah, this is me. But then we leave here and then something happens. <laughs> or Monday, things don't go quite right and it's like, right? And so you got to let God get a hold of you, right? You must do that. See, today we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Those supernatural abilities given to us as believers. Now, there's a difference between, listen to this, human talent, right, and the spirit, spiritual gift. There's a difference between human talent and a spiritual gift. Talents are the capabilities that have been given to us at birth. They're natural. Things that we're good at doing. Things that we can learn to do or whatever, be good to do. We're born with those things. Listen, it's your personality that as you grow up, 
you learn to do certain things very well. Amen? Things like playing ball. Some of you can play ball. Adrian can probably play. He can run really good. He can run really fast. He can outrun all of us in this church together, right? Probably, right? And he has the ability to do that, right? Some of you, some of you can play a piano very well. Amen? It's at the lowest. Good to see you. can play a piano very well, you know? We can, some of us can play piano very well. Can cook. Some of you can cook like, mm. I know I've had some of it. It's very good. Mm. It's very good. Now, I can always go back for more, right? So anyway. Some of y'all can sing very well. Play football. Be a mechanic. Some of you can work on things. You just have that, that niche for working, mechanical skills, and taking nuts and bolts off, and taking things apart, you know. And you know, when you take things apart, that's knowledge, right? When you put them back together and they work, that's wisdom. <laughs> Never forget that. That's wisdom, right? So think about that. So you can somehow have that giftedness of doing that mechanical ability to be able to do that. Some of you could be a dentist. And there's many, many, there's many, many other things. There are many things that were invented by people with talents, listen, that are not believers. And all of us benefit from those people. I want you to think about that for a minute. God has allowed all people that ability. You and I included. But a spiritual gift is different. And I want you to get this morning. It's given at your what, folks? Spiritual birth. When you were born again, born from above, God gives you a spiritual gift. Every one of us as believers has a spiritual gift. And it's given at salvation. It's a specific gift or ability God gives us in order to serve Him. To serve Him, to glorify Him, to magnify Him. He gives it to us wisely, fully, completely. He gives it to us. We have to let it go and let him, let him operate that gift in you. To the best of that God-given ability, he works through you and through me each and every day as we're underneath his control. In fact, spiritual gifts naturally will use the talent that you may have to exercise the gift and the talent together. Whatever you're good at and the ability that naturally that God has given you, there are giftedness in the spirit that God will marry them up together and you will use those things and listen, and elevate Jesus and elevate God and bring glory to God in it and affect other people supernaturally. And so I want you to think about it as we go into this this morning here. And when you do that, man, you, when your talent and your gift marry up, and it makes like beautiful music together. It's like harmony. It's together. It's right. If you recognize your gift, then marry it up with your talent. You need to do that. It will be an amazing display of God's powerful activity in and through your lives every day. Exercise your talent through that spiritual gift. God's ultimate desire is to, listen, exhaust the maximum amount of potential in what he calls you and me to do. He wants to exhaust it. He wants you to go to the graveyard empty of everything that he's given you and gifted you with. He don't want you to go half full to the graveyard. Never fulfilling your call, your potential in your life. God wants to give you, he wants to exhaust that in you. He wants you to go empty. And he is the perfect example of that. Where did he empty himself? On the cross. Apostle Paul is a great example of that. What happened to Apostle Paul at the end of his life? He had no more to give. And they took his head off and he poured it out as a drink offering. At the end of his life, he went to the grave empty. We must go to the grave empty as well. God desires for us to do that. 
Jesus said when he left the world that he would, listen, he would, that we would be his body. Fill that one in. That we would be his body. Remember what I talked about called the ecclesia? The ecclesia, the church. It's the assembly or the gathering of called out ones. Right here, we're the ecclesia, right here. We're believers gathered together in a place to what? To bring glory and honor to him and to hear a word from the Lord. Amen? Amen. That we would take it out there with us. That's what we're here. The ecclesia, that's who we are. To live out his plan, to live out his purpose, his will through each of us. And all those spiritual gifts we will talk about here today. Serving through all of us as believers in harmony with God and each other. Every single person saved by Jesus. God wants all of us to use everything to profit the body of Christ. He wants to profit the body of Christ. Bringing glory and honor to who? God. He wants it. Listen, this is all the work of the Holy Spirit. Every, every inch, square inch, every segment of it is the Holy Spirit working in you and in me. Allow God, submit, allow God to use you to work his glory and his supernatural effects through your life. That's what we got to do. That's probably the hardest thing for us is to surrender and let go. I know sometimes it can be hard for me just to surrender and let go. And he wants to give all the gifts for the common good. All the gifts are for common good. They're for everybody. Not just for you, they're for everybody. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at verse 4 through 7 again. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God, who works all things in all persons, but to each one is given. The manifestation of the Spirit for what, church? The common good. Remember that. That's so important. Look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, But one and the same Spirit, capitalist, works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. God distributes them. You don't, you, don't, you don't work them. You don't do anything. God distributes those gifts to you and to me to do his work. There are three lists of spiritual gifts. You know that? There are three lists. In fact, there's like 21 of them that are mentioned here. Some people... They vary because sometimes they split things and they say, well, here's the gift and here's the gift. But in the scripture here, I count like 21 of them. Right here we're going to mention this morning. 1 Corinthians 12, look at verse 7 through 11. Now these gifts that you're going to read are ministry gifts. They're ministry gifts. To do ministry. That's what these gifts are for in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. And to another, the word of knowledge, according to that same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. And to another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. And to another, the effecting of miracles. And to another, prophecy. And to another, distinguishing or discernment of the spirits. And to another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Just as he wills. He distributes them as he needs to distribute them to each one of us. That's a blessing, man. It's so important for us to understand that. So now I want you to turn to Romans 12. Turn to Romans 12, verses uh, 4 through 8. Now these are the motivational gifts. 
what we just read before are ministerial gifts. They're ministry gifts. And how we operate in the ministry in the church. Romans 12, verses 4 through 8, it says, These are the motivational gifts. It's the desire and power God puts in all of us. That's what a motivation is. The desire and power that God puts in us to fulfill these gifts right here. And we're going to explain this later at some uh, very detailed length. Verse 4 says, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ. And individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. These are grace gifts, right? God gives grace to us. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it. He just gives it to us because he loves us so much, you know. And I just love that, don't you? I love that. Each of us is to exercise. You hear that, folks? How many of you don't like exercising? <laughs> We are to exercise these gifts. He says, this is a command, exercise. Each one of us should exercise them accordingly. And then he says, if prophecy or evangelism, I put in there with that, according to the proportion of his faith. If service in his serving or her serving, or he who teaches in his teaching or in her teaching. Think about that. And he who exhorts or to encourage in his exhortation. He who gives with liberality, he who leads, which is also administration, uh, with diligence, and he who shows mercy, listen, with cheerfulness. <laughs> I know, you got to have that. you got to be cheerful, right? Gifts are like our body parts. Think about this. We have eyes to see, right? With a mouth to speak, with ears to hear, right? So when I think about that, your ears cannot see. And your eyes cannot hear. Right? And your hands, listen, they can't talk. Well, they can't talk if you're a sign language. Right? Sometimes they do talk, I guess. So you want to think about it. These gifts are specific for you. They're specific gifts that you operate in specifically. They're specific in function for everything. And these are called motivational gifts. They're motivational gifts. God chose to give us gifts. He gave us prophecy, proclaiming the truth of his word. This isn't talking about foretelling the future. This is talking about the word of God being broadcast, just like what I'm doing up here. The gift of prophecy is proclaiming the word of God. It's evangelism. It's going and sharing the gospel. You go out into Walmart and you share the gospel with somebody. Guess what? You're operating under the gift of prophecy. And it's awesome. It's very good. The gift of service. That's serving others, right? And we all know at Hills Church, if you're not swer serving, you're what? Swerving. You're swerving. That's right. That's right. You're swerving. You might want to write that in. It's kind of catchy. And listen, and teaching, the gift of teaching is to do what? Is to teach others. Teach others. Exhortation is what? Is to encourage others. And then giving, one who liberally gives to others. <laughs> Leading, administration with diligence. And then finally, mercy with cheerfulness. Mercy, those are your motivational gifts. That's the second list. Here's the third list. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Right. 
And then look at verse 11. Look at here. These are, these, are, these are gifts for the offices of the church. The offices of the church. Verse 11, he says, And he gave some as what? Apostles. Some as prophets. Some as evangelists. Some as pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints. You hear that, folks? For the equipping of the saints. For what, church? What's that for? Why am I going to equip you to do what? What kind of work? Huh? That's right. Work of evangelism, work of ministry, whatever that ministry, whatever God calls you to. So, so always, I think, and it's, to, and it's for what? It's to build up who? The body of Christ. Now, there are some churches, they want their pastor to do everything. Well, you're the pastor, you do it. But by the word of God, is that what it says? So I'm, but I'm to help to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Thus, we're learning about spiritual gifts today. So don't take it lightly. Take it, take it, listen, take it under the humbleness of this. Take, take it underneath the spirit and let God speak to your heart as we talk about this today. To the building up the body of Christ. Listen, in Romans, what we just, uh, what we read, the functions of the members of the church is motivational. It makes you operate in your gifted capacity. That's what the, in Rome is what it's for. It's driven. You are driven in your giftedness to do it. And you need to always remember that. In Corinthians, listen, these are very specific ministry gifts. Worked out in the lives of the body, the church. Like, for example, we have a leadership team here. We have a leadership team. And they work gifts of the Spirit through the leadership team. Not only that, when our church is open and we're fully functioning, we've got about 21 ministry gifts uh, or more that we operate in, approximately. You know, when you see Sister Joanne out the back, that's a ministry. That's a ministry as she greets people coming in full of joy. I love it. Out in the parking lot, I mean, there's different things, security, whatever it is. There are ministry areas that are giftedness that we need to operate in and we need to be part of as believers. And man, when we're operating fully, it's an awesome thing to see. Now, I want to give you some warnings. <laughs> you need to have some warnings and cautions here concerning the use of all these gifts, right? You see, people can go to extremes as they exercise these gifts. And we all individually, collectively, must make sure God is what? Is leading all the time. God has to lead us all the time in everything that we do. Some people want certain gifts. And we must be careful when we're wanting certain gifts. Because that's not the way God operates. People will and have manipulated a particular gift that they want it. It happens, folks. It happens in churches all over. People manipulate to say, hey, I want this gift. I'm going to operate in this gift. Listen, God does not work that way. God distributes the gift. God is in control of the gift. Not you. God is in control of the gift. And that's the way you need to always remember it. And here's a list of things to look out for, all right? The Holy Spirit does give gifts to every single believer. Number one, no one person has every single gift. No one person has every gift. Only Jesus, huh? <laughs> I think Jesus has them all, right? I think he does. I know he does. You could have the gift of mercy, now think about this, and be a school teacher. And you say, well, I don't, 
have the, I didn't come up with the gift of teaching. But that's okay. You can still teach. It doesn't mean you give up teaching because you have the gift of mercy as primary. You know what that means? That means when you're in your class and you're teaching your students, Bob Ferry, that there are some students that struggle. And then you have a gift of mercy to comfort them. And it's a beautiful thing. Think about the gift, boy. We need a lot more mercy, don't we? People demonstrating that. Just because it's your dominant gift, mercy, it doesn't mean you give up teaching. It means that you exercise that gift through your teaching. And vice versa. And no matter what you're doing, whatever your primary gift is, think of it that way. You operate your gift through whatever your trade is, your talent, whatever your ability is. And see how you can exercise that gift, how the Holy Spirit leads you to exercise that gift. I think it'll just naturally, it'll just come out. It'll come out as you do it. It's really something to really, really, really think about. So, only Jesus has them all. Look at 1 Peter 4.10. I want to write that in. As each one has received a special gift, he says, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Employ your gift in serving God and serving one another. No matter where you are, these are grace gifts. Grace gifts. I was thinking about yesterday. I did. I got a chance to play, uh, play some golf with my Presbyterian brothers yesterday. And we had a gentleman on our foursome that obviously did not play golf, but maybe once a year when, his, when, his, when, when they got together. And he was riding in the cart of one of my brothers. And I sat back and I was watching him ever so uh, try to teach and instruct him. So I have a feeling he has a, he has a gift of teaching because I watched him just, you know, teach and instruct this gentleman how to, how to line the club up, how to swing it, this and that. He never got it right, but he got things better. He wasn't hitting so much to the right, but he's got where he could hit some straight, you know, and I was like, wow, you know. So obviously my brother had a gift of uh, teaching in his life that God was using him at that thing, and, and, uh, and, and I think he had mercy, too. So <laughs> he had mercy on the brother, too. But anyway, it's really good. Number two, you can't tell someone they need a particular gift. You should, nobody should ever tell you, well, you need to have the gift of tongues. I want to tell you, we're going to talk about that here in a minute. Listen, I remember Danine and I, years and years ago, we were invited to a revival, and it was at a certain denomination, and we went, you know, our friends, that's where they went, so we went. And I'll never forget that we were in there, and it was very lively, it was very good, the music was like awesome, it was very inspirational, it was really, it was all upbeat. And then the evangelist came out, and he was very, you know, he was an authority figure, he was very good, he was a very good communicator, and this and that. And then he and I were sitting about in the middle ways, about four or five rows back, and then at the end of the service, he was asking people if they needed prayer to stand. And so people stood, right? And who, who doesn't need prayer? <laughs> and a lot of us would stand, right? And then he says something about it. He says, if you would need to, for me to pray for something for you specific or whatever, you know, come out to the aisle. And so people would come out to the aisle. He says, uh, he says I want you all to come on down here because you know what? You, if you don't have the gift of tongues, I want to pray the gift of tongues on you. And so, you know, and, and so Danine and I, we stood... And we, we went to the aisle, and then we made a right turn and went right out the door. <laughs> That's what we did. It's because, you know what? The Holy Spirit, I really believe, was in my heart. It was uncomfortable. 
it wasn't something just didn't jive with Danine and I. And we just saw, you know, just one. And I want you to remember that because, you know, there, there are churches around that will say, come here, I'll pray the tongues on you. Now, listen, I don't know where they get that from, uh, but I have not seen that in my Bible <laughs> anywhere. And so it's something to think about, all right? And, uh, you know, I'm not saying they don't not believe in Jesus and they don't not believe in his birth and his resurrection and all and his blood and everything. But there are things we just need to be careful that what we understand and know comes from what? Comes from what the Word of God teaches us, shows us. And so this is why I share this with a humble heart, you know. I love my brothers and sisters. I don't care what denomination, if they, if they believe Jesus, they, they believe in his shed blood for the forgiveness of sin, he's resurrected, you know, uh, from the dead, and there's only one way to heaven, it's through the blood of Jesus. I love my brothers and sisters so. But there are just some things that are different, you know. There's a reason why I'm here, you know. And so I just thank the Lord for, you know, what God shows me. And I pray for people everywhere that we would. And there's a lot I don't get. And there's a lot that this old pastor don't understand. And there's a lot I'm trying to understand more. I'm trying to get more. And trying to learn more. And so, you know what? And so pray for your old pastor that he understands it better, you know. Number three, we are not to look for a particular manifestation of a gift. We should never look for a particular manifestation gift. It is the Holy Spirit's job to choose the gift that's for you, not you. You don't choose it. The Holy Spirit chooses it for you. Amen? And then number four, because you have the gift, doesn't necessarily make you a spiritually minded person. All right? Sometimes we think we're all high and mighty here because, hey, I got this gift. Check this out, you know, and your head gets like this. And guess what happens is, man, God turns that spigot off just like that. He'll turn it off. He'll turn it off. If you use your gift out of fellowship with God operating in the flesh, listen, it can be very bad and it can be very, very damaging. You don't want to use, and I don't really think you can use a spiritual gift in the flesh, but you can understand what your spiritual gift is and then do it the wrong way. Like if you have the gift of administration and you're a leader, it would be very easy if you get caught up in the flesh to use it in a very ugly way. You hear me? And so, so that's, this, is where, this is where the battle goes on. Inside and out, this is where the battle goes on. In and out of us. I mean, there's a friction that goes on between the spirit and the flesh. And you will always have this. Alright? You could be very ugly telling people all the time. So I want us to look at, the next thing is healing. I want you to look at healing. Check healing out. First, I want to let you know, there's no such thing as a faith healer. You hear me? There's no such thing as a faith healer. Listen, besides that, I think about this, right? If your faith healer wears glasses, <laughs> something might not quite be right. I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I'm just saying. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, it's something to think about. Listen, every healing that takes place, I don't care where it is, what's going on, where does it come? It's a gift from God. Healing is a gift from God. Now, you can challenge people to trust God to be healed. You know, we do that a lot. We pray for people that are sick. We pray for people that they would get better. We pray for people. And, that, and God wants us to do that. God wants us to exercise our faith to believe that God will touch a person's body and heal them. But here's something that you're going to learn this morning. I think it's real. God will heal them because of their own faith. 
their own faith, God will heal them. Think about this. To believe. Think about this. Here's an example. The woman with the issue of blood. For years and years and years she was blood. And she come following Jesus. Remember she crawled on the ground, touched the hem of his garment, and he was healed. And she was healed, right? I want you to think about it. In Mark chapter 5, verse 34. Listen to what Jesus said to her. And he said to her, daughter. He says, your faith has made you well. Not so much that Jesus made her well. And Jesus did, but it was her faith in Jesus that made her well. Think about that. It's just really, he said, go in peace and be healed of your affliction. And I think about this also, how about, remember the ten lepers that Jesus healed, right? There was only one that came back to thank him for the healing. Only one came back, praising God and thanking him. Listen to what Luke 17, 18, 19 says. Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? You know why he said it? Because he was a Samaritan. And Jews didn't associate with Samaritans. And listen, the rest of them, I think, were probably Jews. They kept right on going. And then come back and thank the master for healing them. But this one guy, the Samaritan, came back. And Jesus, and thanked him for touching him. Right? And look at verse 19, what Jesus said. And he said to him, he said, stand up and go. He says, your faith has made you well. How awesome is that? So listen, folks. Some of you might be sick. How much faith do you have in Jesus to heal you? Man, we pray. You know, when I pray for people, you know, I, there's been some people I prayed for and things happened. You know what I mean? But listen here. When I pray, I pray believing that it's going to happen. I pray believing that they would be healed. I don't truly know, but I believe God is faithful. I believe God hears our prayers when we're underneath and our heart is pure with him. He hears what we have to say. I believe that. I've had people come up, I pray for them, and they're back. I prayed for their back, and their back, like, in a couple hours was healed. I was like, thank, praise Jesus, because I have no power for that. But you know what? But he had faith to believe that Jesus would heal his back. And I believe that Jesus healed his back. Should we pray? Yes, we should always pray. But listen, never underestimate the power of the faith that you have in Jesus Christ to believe healing for yourself. And whatever God's perfect will is. It doesn't mean that he will absolutely heal you. There's absolute healing going to tell you. And there is a time when he's going, that's going to happen, Sister Joanne. Healing is going to take place. You know when? It's when you go stand before him in the presence of Jesus and glory. That's like the ultimate healing, right? And I love that, to know. But there's a reason that you go through things. I don't understand it all. I don't pretend to understand it all. But we all go through things in our life. We're going to go through trials and tribulations. You know, you can be sure of one thing. Some of you have storms in your life right now. Some of you are, came out of a storm. And some of you are going into a storm. But it's going to happen. We're all going to go through it. Check on your faith in Jesus to get you through those storms. Listen, if Jesus can walk on top of the storm, and if he can call Peter out of the boat to walk on top of the storm, what makes you think that God won't allow you to walk on top of that same storm? Amen. He will do that for you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. We are never healed because someone knocked us down or smacked us on the head. All right? That's all I'm going to say about that. Ultimately, you and I must trust the Lord over every person for healing. You trust Jesus. Healing is totally a gift 
of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 28, gifts of healing. This comes from God. I have another question. So why did God give miracles? Why did God give miracles? Why? And this is why. To authenticate his message and the messenger delivering his word. This is why God gave miracles. What motivated Jesus to heal? Think about this. What motivated Jesus to heal the lepers? Was it because he had compassion and love for them? Absolutely he did. He loved them. Why did he heal the blind? Because he had compassion and love for them. But what was his primary motive for doing that? Was it just because he had compassion and healing? No. You know what he was doing? He was authenticating who he was to them in the first century. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Jesus. I'm the Savior of all of the world. I'm the Son of the living God. And so what happens is, listen, Jesus, listen, authenticates who he is through the very miracles that he performed. And it's no different than the apostles. The apostles did miracles too, signs and wonders. Why? To authenticate. Think about the first century. What do you guys have? What, what do we have here? We have the Word of God. In the first century, listen, it wasn't until the end of the first century that all the scriptures had been written. And it doesn't mean that they were all gathered together in one book like we have it nice and pretty with red letters and all. Numbers, chapters, they didn't have any of that. Think about that for a minute. In the first century, when the apostles, Jesus died, A.D. 33, right? And then these apostles began writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So it's not just a book written by men. It's written by men inspired by God through the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life, giving them the very words that they need to annotate so that you and I can study it today and know it's powerful in effect. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It, it, divides, it divides and conquers our mind and our heart so that we know how to live the right way, walk the right way, to know the character and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and who he is and why he came. There's so much in this Bible. There's so much. There's history in it. There's real power in it to change and transform our lives to be his image to the world as we're called to be. So we just need to think about how God, listen, his word, he authenticated his message by healing and doing miracles. He authenticated the disciples, the apostles did the same thing. God used miracles to authenticate the message through signs and wonders. There was no, the word of God just wasn't complete then. And this is why I tend to believe that because we have the whole counsel of God. We either believe this or we don't. Why do we need a miracle? Why do we need a sign? Here's our miracle right here on the pages of the Word of God. The book itself is a, is a miracle. That God in His holiness and His wisdom can preserve His Word, the authority of His Word. That we can count it as true and factual from cover to cover. And we need to think about that this morning. Why do we need a sign in heaven? Why do we need all that stuff? We don't. Come on, it's your faith that makes you whole. It's your faith that helps you to believe in Jesus. It's your faith that makes you who you are in the sight of God today. It's your faith that will get you out of a chair, come down this aisle and say, Pastor Phil, I need to get baptized. It's faith that God has given you and revealed himself to you in that faith to say, this is who you are. This is who I want you to be. Child, this is where I want you to go. This is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. All right?
I want you to listen up in this one here. Now let's talk about tongues just for a minute. <laughs> this is probably the most controversial thing of all the gifts right here, yeah. is tongues. This is the one that's probably most discussed, most argued, most uh, determined to talk about. And, and the thing is, we put so much emphasis on it uh, that we do a disservice to the Lord. The Bible has it written clearly in it. This is a manifestation of the Spirit of God. It is a manifestation of the Spirit of God. I've been in fellowships, listen, where speaking in tongues was going on. But you know, there was a problem. There was no interpretation of those tongues. I said, and nobody was interpreting nothing. And so it was kind of confusing to me. And it kind of made me feel uncomfortable. And I get that. And so I want us to think about this for a minute. There needs to be interpretation. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 13 and 14. In fact, you want to talk about languages and you want to talk about tongues, man, I want you to just sit down, just, just get alone with God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14 and see what you deduct from just taking some time and read through those passages of Scripture and see what you come up with. And if you have questions, please don't hesitate to write me. I would love to answer them or find the answer for you. But when you think, see, when you see tongues, you see tongues, other than in the book of Acts and Corinthians, you don't see it so much, a whole lot of places in the Bible. <laughs> we got to remember in Corinthians, what was Paul, what was Paul's reason for writing the letter to the first, to, to, to the Corinthians? The first 11 chapters, man, he was getting on their case. They were bringing garbage from paganism into the church. He was on their case, on their case, on their case, on their case. And then finally he gets to chapter 12 and he's like, okay, good. Now I can really pour some stuff into them. I've been, I've been getting on their case, rebuking them. Now it's time for me to give them some training. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, he, he speaks about the gifts of the Spirit. And he speaks about tongues. And I believe it's pretty clear. I think it's very, very clear. Listen to what it says. Chapter 14, 13, 14. Therefore let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may what? Interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. But my mind is unfruitful. Because you don't understand what's, what's being said. You've got to understand. The word of God, why, why would God not want you to understand something? Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 18 and 19. Look what Paul says about himself. I thank God. He says that I speak in tongues more than you all. He says, however, however, so he kind of kind of negates what he just said. However, in the church, I desire to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others also rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. If you don't understand it, <laughs> what's the point? What is it? I believe some of it is, and I've heard this before too, psychological. I believe some of it's psychological. Man, you go into church, and, and like I was talking about before, Janine and I went to that church, and, and they come out, and everything seems to be just right. Everything is right. Everything is right. Everything is right. And then when it came up about the tongues, man, it was like, and they were trying to make me to pray tongues. I want them to pray tongues. come down to the front, and so I could pray tongues on you and on you. And, you, and I was like, man, I was so, it just, it was, the friction was there. That was the Holy Spirit saying, time for you to go. And we left. So it, is, it can be psychological, really. You can't tell people they have to have a gift. You can't tell them that they have to have a gift. No. 
Only God distributes the gifts to whom he chooses. Never forget that. But listen, none of us can ever put God in a box either. We can't. And don't misunderstand me when I say that. God is who? Is God. God can do whatever God wants to do except for sin. Because that's not his character. It's not who he is. God, we can't put God in a box. I want to prove it. If God can make a donkey talk, listen this. An angel of the Lord blocked the pathway of this donkey and Balaam was sitting on this donkey. And it was an area where the angel was in front of this donkey and the donkey could not turn left, probably on a cliff or something. He'd fall off or turn right, and there was the wall of the cliff, right? So there was nowhere to go. And the angel stood to keep Balaam from passing through. And when, you know what the donkey did? The donkey laid down. Well, you know what Balaam did? He got mad. So you know what he did? He started beating on the donkey. Stubborn mule. Get up, right? Look what it said. Numbers 22, 28. Write that down. You check it out. It's a great story. And the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? So listen, God is God. He is going to be God no matter what we think or do. You're not going to change God. God is much more interested and blessed when I choose to serve and pray and learn. He is much more interested in that. He is. The Bible says spiritual gifts is for edifying who? The whole body. The whole body. That's what spiritual gifts for. It's for the whole body. It's not for an individual. It's for everybody. For the common good of all people. That's what it's for. And I don't want you to be confused on that. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Speaking in tongues was for authenticating the word that they did not even have back in the first century. I believe that with all my heart. Also, tongues was to cross the language barrier when people did not speak the language. Pentecost was the great example of that. When the 120 were up in the room, tongues of fire came, and they were speaking languages. Why were they speaking languages in Jerusalem? Because it was the Feast of Weeks. There were Jews and people from all over the world that had gathered for weeks in Jerusalem to celebrate the harvest. And then these guys started speaking in these people's other known languages, and they were speaking to them the truths of the gospel of who Jesus was. Oh, wouldn't you like to have been in that room? You might have made a new doorway or something. I don't know. But anyway, it would have been awesome. So, so think about this for a minute. Listen, I will tell you this, and I really believe this. Some of it is satanic. Some of it is psychological. And we think about that. But I will never put God in a box. God's going to do what God's going to do. The Bible says these gifts are given for the entire body of the common good. Will it profit you for me to have a private prayer language? Don't even profit me. I don't see it. Pray. I mean, 
I don't know. I don't understand all that. I don't pretend to understand all that. But I say, and I know some of you are thinking, well, what about the private prayer language? You can have an experience where you're so underneath the Lord Jesus Christ and you're so burdened about something. I believe there are groanings that could come from within that you can't even bring words to. Maybe that's an experience. They, some people might call it tongues, but it might be just an experience of the Holy Spirit it's just because your heart is so groaning and burning and yearning inside your heart that it's just gut-wrenching and you just can't even get words out say, oh, God, help me. Whatever, I don't know. But that's for self-edification. That's not even for the whole body. And we have to think about that. God is more blessed when I choose to praise him when I choose to follow Him, when I choose to glorify Him, when I choose to pray to Him, when I choose to serve Him. Amen? Amen. God is more glorified in that. Lots of people with this particular gift also think about think that you need to have it. I've been in churches like that too. They think you need to have it. You're not, you don't speak in tongues? Why not? I think you need to have it. You choose what to believe. We all do, right? We do. But make for sure that whatever you believe, listen, it's in the Word of God. This is your litmus test for everything in your life and everything that you experience. Open it up. Understand. Ask God to help you to understand what he's talking about. Especially when you start getting these spiritual gifts, especially the controversial ones, especially tongues. Think about it. If it is not in, then you need to leave. If, if it's not in the book, then you need to leave it alone. Just leave it alone. There is no doubt that Paul spoke in tongues, but why? He sure doesn't mention in any other scripture outside of these chapters, listen, that he is speaking in tongues. Very small portion of the Bible, he talks even about he did it. I believe for good reason. He did not. He, listen, he was more interested in edifying the whole body than he was himself. You want to be interested? Edify the whole body. Not yourself. It's not about you. If Paul did it, it was to authenticate God's word through these gifts, signs, and wonders. He healed people. Paul healed people. There were all kinds of things. He was an apostle. That's what he did because God gave him the gift to do it. And he edified the Lord Jesus Christ and the whole body by doing it. We need to all watch our pride when it comes to this. Whatever gift God has given you, thank God for those gifts. Amen? You thank him. They are not for you, but for the whole body. 1 Corinthians 14, 36 says, For God is not the God of what? Confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. Now when we talk about the motivational gifts in Romans 12, listen, since we have the gifts that differ according to the grace given to each of us, each of us is to exercise accordingly. And he goes through all the different motivational gifts. These motivation uh, gifts are the work of God's grace in the life of every single believer. This is the desire and power he places in you to accomplish his perfect will. This is what it looks like. And I want to kind of share a little bit of that with you here this morning. If you see in front of me, you saw that I had this, uh, this stack of bricks up here. This is my well, by the way. And it's a well where I could draw water from. 
But this poor old person came walking along and fell in the well. Right? They fell in the well. And I was like, wow, they fell in the well. And, uh, and so the first person that came on the scene was the person that had the gift of what? Mercy, right? So the gift of mercy, this is what the gift of mercy does. The gift of mercy walks up to the well and goes, Oh, I'm so sorry that you're down there in that well. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I would be praying for you. Oh, I, 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 I mean, are you okay? Uh, how does that, do you feel all right? Are you hurt? I'm so sorry you're down in the well. So the gift of mercy, that's what the gift of mercy will do, right? And listen, and the next motivational gift would be these guys right here. The prophets and the evangelists, right? You know how these guys operate? <laughs> They'd be going up here and he's going, Are you saved? Do you know Jesus is your Savior? You know he left heaven, he died on a cross for your sin. The Word of God teaches us that, hey, I, I just I want to make sure that if something happens to you, you go to heaven. <laughs> you know, are you saved? Just one small example, right? So that's the person with that gift, right? Think about that, right? The next one here is this one right here. This is the, the teacher preacher. <laughs> the teacher preacher comes up here and he goes, hey, you know what? This well, man, it's constructed and it's 50 foot deep. And you know, you should have known that. It's 50 foot deep and there's water in the bottom of it. And you know, and it's, and it's there for hydration for the community. You really shouldn't be swimming in the, in the well. You know, it's, it's a well. And so I just wanted to give you instruction about that well. So the person will do that, you know. And you think about it, you go, wow, okay, okay, cool. That's a person, right, with a gift, Right? Here's the next one I like. Serving. <laughs> Here's what serving does. Hey, does anybody got a rope? Anybody got a rope? I need a rope. We need a rope. We can, if we have a rope, we can get this guy. Oh, here, I got a rope. I got a rope right here. I got a rope. Let's get a rope. And he's going to throw it in there and try to get this person out, right? So he's all about serving. He wants to help. He wants to get in the thick of things. He wants to do something to help that person out. That's what he's doing, right? Now, if I didn't have a rope, this person shows up, right? Yeah, you know what this person does? This, was, this, was, this person does. He says, he says, he goes, he reaches in his pocket. He says, he says, hey, everybody, I got five bucks for a rope. Let's pass it off and play it around. Let's get some money for the rope so we can buy the rope. Hey, let's do it. I, I, I get my five bucks. Let me have your five bucks, right? That's what the person that's giving does. They'll give it. If they could give all of it and buy the whole rope, they'll do it, right? They'll do it. They're giving liberally. They do it. They just do it. I think it's like, I'll keep that in there. <laughs> so, but isn't that cool? Isn't that right? I mean, think about it. Think about it. This is the one. This is one of my favorite ones. The leading one. The administration one, right? So th this is what the person that has a gift of administration does and leading, right? Hey, you, 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 come over here. Grab this rope. Hey, you grab it back here. You grab it. Come, come here. What are you standing? Come over here. Get this thing down in here and throw it down there. All the while, he's standing back here like this. He says, you over here, you over here. Come on, hold it. Hey, I need some guys. Some of you guys in the middle here. Now, listen, don't let go. When you start pulling him up, don't let go because he'll fall back down there and you'll injure him. That's what, that's. 
That's the gift of administration. They're organizers, man. They know how to get her done. We got some people like that. I'm like that here. Amen. Is that all of them that I know? I wasn't all of them. I got a couple more here. I didn't think that was all of them. Here's the next one. I like this one too the most. Exhortation. The person with the gift of exhortation, right? What do they do? They say, hey, you're going to be okay. Can you hear me? You're going to be okay. Don't worry. Hey, listen, I'll pray for you. Lord Jesus, save this person from the well. Lord, please save them. We got friends up here. Listen, we got a lot of people up here to get you out. Okay? It's all going to be all right. Come on. <laughs> Isn't that true? Now listen, as we go through, as I went through all this, I want to ask you some questions right here. You see, all of them work beautifully together. When we do it all together, when all the gifts are present, look at the viability of every single gift. From giving, to exhortation, to administration, all these things. When they're working together, man, you can get a person out of a well. There's people in wells of sin all over the land. The church of the living Jesus Christ here. Listen, God makes us beautifully together, connected together, to reach into the wells of sin and and snatch people out of the flames. Snatch them out of the fire so they can be saved. Not every one of us have the same gifts. That's just demonstrated. But all these gifts working together are incredible, incredible, incredible. You see, all of them work beautifully together to accomplish a task. They all responded out of the motivation. Gift of mercy would never say, man, you were clumsy. <laughs> they wouldn't, would they? They wouldn't say that, right? The gift of service would never sit there and do nothing. It would drive them absolutely nuts to sit there and do nothing. They would not do it. Listen, the gift of administration, <laughs> I think, would just die because they wouldn't be able to operate, you know, to die, just sit there and say nothing. They would have a hard time not saying nothing. I know, I know people get the administration. So, how many of you saw yourself in this story? Come on, be honest. How many of you saw yourself in this story, some form or fashion, some way? Now, what would happen if everyone had the same gift? Think about that. If everyone had the gift of administration, they wouldn't be living very long. Right? They wouldn't. They'd be, they'd be, they'd be at each other's throat. No, I said do it this way. No, 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 do it this way. Right? What if everyone had the gift of mercy? They would drown in the well. Think about that, right? If everyone, listen, had, give, had a giving, we'd have so much rope. We would have more rope than we would ever need. Circumference the earth about three times. Right? We all will respond according to our gifts that Jesus has given us. So important as a church that we are together. This is why Jesus put so much emphasis on what? On all of us, the church. The body of Christ together. Matthew 16, it says, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it or Hades overpowered, ever. 
We have an opportunity October 4th. We're beginning to plan for a live nativity. Man, we need your gift and your gift and your gift and your gift in this here for that day that we have that live nativity. We haven't been able to do a lot for our community in a long time. And here's an opportunity to operate in the gifts of the Spirit to do that. So I want to encourage you to be part of that. And listen, one final thing. As I close, when you understand your gift, church, listen to this. One, you will have confidence in serving God. Write that in. You will have confidence in serving God. You will be more committed to doing it and serving God. You will understand people better. You have confidence. You have committed. You'll be more committed. And when the entire body, the church, gets it right, it's a very beautiful thing with all of us. When you do what God wants you to do, listen, your service for God is most effective. I want you to think about that. So my question for you today is this. How can you be the best servant of God you can be? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you have distributed gifts to each and every one of us. Some of us here have no clue <laughs> maybe what their gift is. But, Lord, there's, they can leave here today. And they can take the spiritual gifts test home with them. They can fill it out. And they can maybe have an idea of what their giftedness might be. Or they can ask other people within the body of Christ. Sometimes other people see the gift before they see the gift. Lord, whatever that gift is, I pray, Lord Jesus, that we discover what our gift is so we can more function together as the body of Christ that you have foreordained for us to do. So God, use us for your glory today and every day. Lord, if there's one here today that's never trusted you as Savior, Lord, you, they can't even operate in a gift. You can't operate in a gift until you know Jesus is Savior. You don't even have the Spirit of God on you. If you need Jesus today, say, Lord Jesus, <laughs> I want to be saved today. Lord, I love you. I realize that you died on a cross for my sin. You took my sin on the cross. You died, and you rose on the third day. Lord, come into my heart. Change my life. I want to be saved today. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. If that's you, ask him. Ask him to come into your heart. He will come into your heart right now. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. I trust you as my Lord and Savior. As my Savior, save me, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Help me, Lord, to turn away from what I've been doing and chase after you with all my heart. Lord, help me to get close to you, Jesus. Help me. I can't do this any longer. I need you, Jesus, to help me. Come into my life. I thank you, Jesus, for saving me this morning. Father, I thank you for my Christian brothers and sisters. I pray they take this very seriously. They're missing such a tremendous blessing if they don't know what their giftedness is. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would take this word, this word, and penetrate their hearts and minds, that they would try to find out what their gift is. And on the way out, they might go try to discover what their gift is. They would be on a march to discover, God, what is it you have for them? Lord, I pray you would reveal to everyone in this room what their giftedness is, and that they would learn to operate in it. Father, we thank you for our time together today. We thank you for what you've done and what you're doing. And Lord, we praise you for it all. For it's in Jesus' name. And all God's people said what? Amen. I want to thank you all so much. I know the hour is a little bit later than I intended. <laughs> I got two grandkids to pick up in Orlando. Huh? How about that? They're landing in about 20 minutes.
So, uh, so unless I can't fly there. But listen, I want to tell you something. If you pray to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, listen, I'm going to be sitting on this step right here. Come down and talk to me. I want to just share with you what you need to do next. That's all. If you want to find out what your spiritual gift is, Sister Deneen had a maid in their back here in the foyer. There's a spiritual gift test. Take one home with you. And have fun with that. Just, and listen, don't think too deeply. Answer the question, what comes first in your head, and just answer it. Fill it out. Don't think. You, if you analyze it, it's too much. Also, we have a website here that you can go to, and you can do it online. It's under, uh, what, what is this, gifts. What, what's the website uh, address? Uh, gifts.churchgrowth.org. Okay, gifts.churchgrowth.org. So, gifts.churchgrowth.org. Open that up, and you can take it for free online, and it'll give you a rundown of all your gifts are. It's really cool. All right? Amen? Amen. Good to be in the house. Lord, good to see y'all. God bless y'all. We love you. We'll see y'all Wednesday. And CR tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. God bless you.